This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Guys, I have a homework assignment for every single person listening right now, except the people who've already downloaded it. Oh but if this is going to be on the quiz. Yeah. Go download <laughs> the WGT Golf app and join the DNVR Clubhouse. It's so much fun. We actually had to open DNVR Clubhouse 2.0 because of the response we got. So if you're interested, don't forget to look up DNVR 2, and that second clubhouse will show up. And we have a tournament going on this weekend, right, Vote? We do. It's our, it first, it's our first major. Give me Stall for me for two seconds. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have a tournament going on this weekend. Hop on so you can win prizes and beat people like Vote. The DNVR Open. It's our first major. Oh, it's a very big really deal. Goes very prestigious. Really easy. You should have told that one. Something elaborate. I got. I got one and a half feet in Saturday already. I'm gonna keep it right. <laughs> All right. Once wow. again, don't forget to go to dnvrgolf.com and download the WGT app. It's actually a lot of fun, and you will be addicted. And I am sorry, but you will get addicted to that game, and it it may frustrate you, and it might make you happy. It frustrates me. I can um, confirm. All right. Besides Cygnus and one other guy, I came in third in the last tournament. So. Oh, there on you the, go. On the knucklehead invitation. Yeah, the super hard one. Yeah. <laughs> he tried to name drop since he knew he knew the outline. <laughs> Oh, that the knucklehead invitation. Yeah, I got you that. were supposed to quit the knuckle. We designed that course so that the yeah. winner would be whoever I, made I it came through. in third with a 58, to be clear. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. This should be a lot more fun this year. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. Denver Sports Podcast. I am your host, Ali Monroy, and today I've got Brendan Vote, Andre Simone, Drew Creason, and Rudo on the show. Show me your Brett Bruce. Oh. Oh, I don't. I have a um, lot of You said Strava. you're two feet into Saturday Strava and you're not coffee. drinking a Breck brew? Yeah. I'm turning a new leaf. Oh, guys. you said one foot. I'm, I'm trying to go bit. three days without consuming Breck beer. I'm going to the bar tonight. So. Oh, yep. Yeah. So am I, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. No. <laughs> that out the you will be drinking already. pictures of Breck Brew. Can't wait. Can All I right. sleep at the bar tonight? Because <laughs> I'm barely functioning as is, so we're going to see how that so works. You need Nuc- some Strava Craft coffee, like mm-hmm. what we're drinking. Knucklehead uh, has a cot in the back, and I'm pretty oh, sure it's perfect. open. Perfect. So. Yeah. Okay, right next to the, the bathroom, perfect. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
If you right, can withstand right the takes, you can <laughs> sleep there. All right, guys. You are all already know this, but Breck Brew is the official beer of DNVR, and we obviously love it as we will be consuming pictures of it at the DNVR bar tonight. Don't forget to pick up a 15-can pack of Mile High Lager, Mile High Copper Lager, or I know the DNVR Nuggets guys call it the Joker Pack. The Jokic pack, yeah. The Jokic Because he has so many abs now, and 15 oh. is a natural number for There abs. you go. You can pick some up at Davidson's or any grocery store and even Costco. So start your Friday off right with us and drink some Breck Brews. All right, guys. Another DNVR Draft Day Live in the books. We will be talking about the MLB Draft but also all drafts in general, deciding which sport has the most difficult draft and more. But first, Drew here and Patrick Lyons did a fantastic job on that MLB coverage of the draft. You guys actually made it fun, and I actually enjoyed watching an MLB draft. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I also thought it was fun. <laughs> I'm I'm mostly dead now after we were live on the air for about seven and a half hours over two days. But actually, no, it, it was a whole lot of fun. We had literally 25 guests on. Uh, okay, look, can I pull back the curtain on that just a little bit? It's one of those things, you know, when you like reach out to like 25 people. You think for only a party? 15 are going to yeah. For a party, you're like, yeah. oh, over invite. Yeah. Everyone shows up. Half aren't going to be able to make it. They're, they've got previous engagements. You assume a couple flake on you. Some just, you know, don't want to bother. Literally, everyone was like, it's baseball. We haven't had any in nine months. We'd love to come on your show. So we had like five players, the head of player development, every single reporter that covers the Rockies, I think. Uh, it, it was an absolute blast. Oh, uh, Rudo and I were backstage producing and uh... – at one point, there was five guests or four guests backstage, and we were like, "Oh God!" But yeah, I Drew, learned how to juggle at a very young age, and this felt <laughs> a lot more difficult than that. So, uh, well the done. coolest well part: where fans were really hyped on the Rockies' ninth overall pick, yeah. Zach Yeah, let's go, Zach. Zach. Yeah. Okay, I said it right. You is is he the vaccine to the Rockies? Oh, is that? I believe. I believe oh. that may be a little. I worse. didn't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, the comment section was going crazy. People were comparing, saying like him dropping to uh, nine was like Judy falling. Even MPJ. People were having a good time with it. Drew, let's start with you. What are your thoughts <laughs> on the Rockies draft and uh, V? Yeah, it, it was pretty amazing that that happened. I hadn't done too much research on Veen other than checking the top line stuff. The profile was there and obvious. We thought he was going four or five in the draft. Uh, when he was still on the board there at nine, we were we were stunned. And then when the Rockies took him, it was obvious. This is a guy who's drawn comparisons to Cody Bellinger. People started dropping uh, Christian Yelich and Larry Walker comps on him right away. Larry the Walker's swing. like maybe the worst offensive player in that trio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And, and and it's just like, it, it's amazing what people, we had the uh, high A hitting coach on, on day two, and the second we mentioned Zach Veen's name and, and asked him to talk about his swing, this giant smile just mm -hmm. came over his face. He was beside himself. He was like, this kid, I mean, the, the, the all of the tools are there um, for him to be the next 
really big thing and we had kind of resigned ourselves to the Rockies making a safe pick yeah uh you know doing something smart and safe that we all would have been like yeah no this is good we'd have gone to the fan base and been like look guys this is why this is a good thing and then this <laughs> happened and you don't have to explain it we started rolling film and everyone in the comment section was like oh Oh, he gonna hit forty bombs at Coors Field. You also had people like, "Oh man, gotta give uh, Breitich some credit." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fans were even feeling that good. <laughs> so, what's the um, to pour a glass of cold water on it, Drew? Now that we're getting hyped. So, thanks, thanks. It's folks. clearly an exciting pick at nine, and like being well versed in the NBA, I understand how someone so talented like MPJ could slide to fourteen. The value there. If, if, if Zach Veen is, is everything we're hearing, why nine instead of one um, or closer to one? And and what's you said it's a riskier pick as opposed to, to, to a safe pick. Where is that risk represented um, as far as the baseball draft? Right. So the, the big thing in baseball is this usually pretty large difference between your high school guys and your college guys. Your high school guys just tend to be more raw. There's not as much of a track record there. They probably haven't literally like filled out their physical bodies to a point where we know who they're going to be as, as athletes. And so that's where a lot of the question marks come. Zach Veen is six foot five, 200 pounds. So that is a frame that should build out as he becomes a 20 and 21 year old. He's 18 still? That... Yeah, he is 18 sure he years old. He doesn't want to play football. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. Florida too. Yeah, he's a he's a big, strong kid with a smooth swing, and and so the and then the other thing is just high school guys they they take a long time to get to the bigs. Uh, Trevor's story took almost six years out of high right. school to get to the bigs. Uh, some of these other guys, David Dahl, also had injuries along the way, but it took him a minute. Sickness. <laughs> yeah, I feel uh, that comment in my soul. <laughs> Thirty-three here and still waiting. So uh, we're <laughs> filling out our frames here. But. Yeah. A couple more inches are coming for me, though. My mom told me I should. Oh, go I'm filling out. Oh. Just in yeah. the wrong spots here. Don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> yeah. I feel that, Rudo. I feel that. But yeah, I mean, so that's kind of one of the things where you're like, well, he, he's got a chance. To be great, there's potential MVP, and and that's intriguing. Uh, where, but you gotta wait maybe five sure. years. Okay. Where these other guys are like, well, they might not be MVPs, but they might help us win a championship next season. Right. There's there's just that big gap there. Veen's not gonna be at Coors Field anytime soon, but I'll tell you what, he's gonna make it there, and it's gonna be really fun to watch him hit. It's a matter of uh, when, not if. I think so. Drew, um, you guys talked about it a little bit on a DNVR Draft Day Live, but last year the Rockies chose a lot of guys that were already in college, and this year it was the opposite. A lot of high school guys, I think just one or two um, guys in college. Why do you think that is? I think it was two players fell to them that they did not expect to be on the board. Zach, I think they were ready to take a college pitcher with that number nine overall pick, and that's part of the reason why you do have to give – Jeff Breidich and company credit. They had four or five minutes to make this decision, thinking there was a 10% chance this guy was going to be available. And it was, look, do we want to go with this guy that maybe we've scouted a bit more that addresses a more specific need that our fans are going to understand why we took a pitcher because we always need pitching because can't get free agent pitchers to sign here. Or do we take this kid who might be a franchise superstar caliber guy and, you know, if we look back on it and we didn't take this kid, 
we're going to feel stupid. And they had four minutes to decide I that. I need about three seconds to make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. But. It's, you know, it, I, I'm with you. As, as soon as I realized Veen was there, and, you know, I didn't know the their second pick, the 35th overall, very well because the scouting Drew reports Romo. I read on Drew Romo were good defender, uh, can't hit. And I thought, well, okay, that's a limited ceiling. I'm not going to look too much deeper into that. Turned out good defender meant potentially generational defender, and those two things are very different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Rocky, the, the more I read into this, so here, here, the perfect game are the people who do this, I think, the best. They measure all the amateurs in the country, and they, they said of this kid, he is the best defender at any position of any age anywhere in the country. And that... I was like, oh. Well, that, yeah. that <laughs> seems relevant, pertinent information. Right. So I don't care that he hit 250 in high school. We'll figure that part out. He's a switch hitter. Uh, he's a really smart kid. We sat in with a press conference, talked to him a little bit yesterday, both Patrick and I. Like, he's got it together. He knows what he's doing. If the Rockies make the right offer, that, that's still another thing that happens here. They still have to sign these guys and offer the right amount of money. these guys could, what's their alternative route? Going to school, right? I mean, they, that's right. They, yeah. Yeah, high school guys, and in fact, um, draft is so weird. It's so, so weird. isn't it? <laughs> Drew Romo has been since he was a freshman in high school committed to LSU, and he has worked with their coaches and and you know some of the people out there. And it's I, I think unlikely he's going to end up going to LSU. I think he's yeah. going to sign with the Rockies, uh, and I think they're going to pay him a little bit more money than he was expecting to do so mm. to lure him away from these coaches that he was. You know, really getting to know and wanting yeah. to work with. It's one of those weird things about baseball. Well, with that, let's talk about each uh, league's draft because it is very different. Baseball is very weird. And they all have um, similarities, but also they're different. But I'm going to have Andre start since Andre has a draft podcast, knows pretty much about every sport ever possible. Um, so, Andre, uh, Mark, one of our members, came up with this idea for us to discuss on TDSP, so I do want to give him the credit for that. But yeah, could you describe the NFL's draft, some of its pros, some of its cons? Don't go in too much of detail, <laughs> but just explain it to maybe a basketball fan wouldn't understand what the NFL draft is like. Yeah, I think the key to the NFL draft and what makes it so appealing the kind of the casual fan and it's why often it'll get better ratings than like an NHL playoff game or an NBA playoff game um, that's going on at that same time in the year is that the guys that are being drafted are guys that we've been watching on national TV every Saturday for the past couple years. In some cases, guys like Adrian Peterson, like he was a freshman. He was a Heisman finalist. We knew about him for like ages and, um, and big-time college football fans knew about him because he was a big-time recruit, and they were excited right. about that even prior to him playing college football. So they're really household names, and it's it marries so perfectly to the NFL and fantasy football and all of that hype that's already built around. Um, and, you know, that's why it's become this big media event. Now it's divided up in three different days, the first two days being in prime time. Um, and it's seven rounds, which is as many as any sport aside from baseball. That's insane. But uh, obviously, baseball is the exception this year with just five. Oh, rounds. 
usually though baseball's king there with a the amount of rounds, but no, seven round draft. Um, and 40. yeah, that's kind of the the thing, though. Is it? Yeah, forty. Rounds. I'm so. But what are we doing? Jealous of watching the NFL draft people do their film room stuff because you just go to YouTube and you type in a dude's <laughs> name and there he is. Yep. And I'm right. over here. Did that for our D- DNVR draft day live show yeah. for the NFL. Rudy's he was just s- like, Jerry Judy. I'm over here going to like spencehockey.tv and all Sounding these out some your sketchy European websites yeah. like trying to find some dude who's playing out of Germany that no one's ever heard of. Rudo's out here on the dark web looking up minors, you know. That's how he's got to find film for hockey. Oh, great, great. Just handheld phone cam, someone yelling, shoot! Man, you're not that far off. Jay, what, generally speaking, how late into the NFL draft can a team, can a fan base expect to find, I'd call them a difference maker, a needle mover, someone who's on the field changing the way things look the next season, three, four? I yeah, think I mean, maybe the fourth round. Yeah, 3-4 is the range where you can find a real contributor, someone who could be competing for a war. Oh. Frozen. Competing a, for the best internet competing connection. Competing for a high-end production. Oh, he's back? Sort of. Mm, That's a good question. He's still frozen oh. for me. Yeah. Dre? <laughs> good. He's trying. There he Hi. is. <laughs> <laughs> I can move, see and hear all of you. <laughs> yeah, you're still doing you're better back. than our Ryan McMahon interview. So. Oh, that's, that's good. That's true. Aww, oh, um, Dre, that's a real high quick, what is a con of the draft? What is something looking at all the other drafts that you think the NFL could improve on? What's incredible is the NFL has kind of got themselves into this. Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of the it should be the easiest draft you're drafting guys who are at least 21 22 ready-made products in a lot of ways have been tested at a very high level and yet teams can get so enamored with combine numbers so enamored with just measurables and all this kind of stuff or put players in awkward fits that aren't going to benefit them and you really end up seeing a ton of misses in the nfl draft that are almost inexplainable when you have all these other factors that should really reduce that risk and yet we see a ton of misses every year in the league so that that's really the drawback is we uh we get too cute for our own good one thing before we move on to basketball which the nba has a lottery um Dre, do you think that the NFL installing a lottery would help at all? I mean, you got teams like Miami who's like uh, tank for Tua and all these things. Do you think it would make it more cute, too cute for for its own good? Or do you think it would really help the situation? It would be kind of fun, but the NFL really doesn't need it because they don't need that competitive balance because teams like the Miami Dolphins this year, it seems like they're taking their roster apart but instead they're still able to uh yeah. win games NFL and teams can't game. even tank right like <laughs> exactly they can't tank right that's exactly right it's too competitive every single game means too much to where you don't need that built in all right well let's move on to basketball the nba vote how would you describe the nba's draft process um fanatic and then people there there's a, a divide between I don't know if this is the case in your respective sports, gentlemen, but but draft Twitter and NBA Twitter. Um, mm. 
as someone who covers the NBA, I truly don't have the the mental capacity to pay that much attention to the draft while the season's happening. There are so many names, um, so many players. So there are people who are all in on that, who are like more into the drafting process itself than how these guys are playing in college or NBA. And then there are some people like me who have a lot of cramming to do um, <laughs> as the season ends. But it's a really exciting time, two round 60 players, and you just do the math in basketball, five players on a court, your odds of a very good player moving the needle, affecting the odds. I mean, that's just the way it works. So you could a, a, a team can draft one player and you can say to yourself as a fan base, maybe not next season, but two, three years from now, this whole thing's different. The whole outlook's different. And, and so it's just the math of it that makes it so enthralling. And then if you're a Nuggets fan, what just happened recently is really ultra rare. Of course, these top players are going to bad teams that are two, three years away from contending anyway. But every now and then, something happens where a guy like MPJ slides to a team like the Nuggets, who are one piece away from winning a title, but don't always sign. They never sign those types of players in free agency. Well, maybe they just drafted one. And and so it's just the hope that one individual can represent I think it um, is what's so appealing about it. Let's hope that he actually plays more when the season comes back. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. Like, it's the Nuggets have done almost everything right. They put themselves in. The rebuild is is underrated when talked about across the league. The Brian Shaw era was it was horrendous. Where they are now, it's incredible. Mm. They they made almost every right decision. But at the end of the day, are they going to win a title or not? That might come down to this kid having slid to them at fourteen. Yeah. The uh, the 2003 NBA draft dramatically shifted the power landscape <laughs> of the entire league yep. in an instant. Yep. Uh, of like six franchises just became with with LeBron, Carmelo, Wade, uh, even Bosh going. Some of the guy like Bosch. that, like all of a sudden Toronto's relevant. Like for sure. That, <laughs> like, it was instead the Nuggets went from being one of the worst teams in the league to being a playoff team. Uh, Cleveland got it, the best basketball player of at least a generation. And maybe it, it all changes overnight like that. And that's sort of why. <laughs> one night. And, and in, a, in a weird way, I know some people have issues with the structure insofar as it incentivizes tanking or whatever, but there's just also these appealing 76ers. threads to pull on as, as a fan, like, <laughs> Okay, my team has, has no chance in hell. Everything. My team has no chance in hell of winning a title, but there's all this intrigue and hope and excitement on draft night for us still, right? So, so some of the same things people don't like about it, I actually love about it, it, it because it's it takes it's very hard to feel completely hopeless in this league because if all right, maybe we get that number one overall pick and things change. I think also it it's not as much as football, but some of these players are very well-known, well-known names Definitely. like Zion. I mean, everyone knew who he was. Definitely. They just have a year in college, but they still have some sort of time when they are so big like Zion or even MPJ. A lot of people knew him or even Bull Bull yeah. at Oregon. Like people knew who he but. was. And so it gives that that feel a little bit on, oh, I know this guy. Oh, I can root for this guy. Oh, this is cool. I want to watch Zion go number one overall, um, right. similar to football. While you don't really have that as much with baseball and hockey with it being. Exactly. Just you guys weren't tuned into Woodlands everywhere. High School 
Right. Baseball games? The diehards know, right? Correct. But then but then with basketball, one million people I think followed Zion on Instagram before college. <laughs> right. You know, before so this is not college, just the diehards. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Uh, is there any cons? Is there? I mean, you mentioned a yeah. few of what the fans think, but what do you think? What, you covering the draft, is there anything that you um, would want to change or want to take from any of the other drafts? I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of conversation to be had about potentially changing the way being bad is incentivized. I don't, I'm not really sure how I feel about it because, like I spoke earlier, I do think there's another side to this sword insofar as it, it keeps the hype train rolling, but... I do think plenty of people would change that if they could. Um, there's also an interesting dynamic in the NBA draft that, I don't know if this is a con, it's just something I noticed teams kind of getting wrong. You, when you get out of that like 1 through 5, 1 through 10 range, and your chances of finding that guy that changes everything for you overnight really drops off, you still find teams taking swings at these like really high upside guys. Um, really, really talented athletes out of a big school or, or a big program when there's a small army of Monte Morrises out there, right, who is never going to be the best player on a team. But if you follow Monte's career at all, four-year uh, uh, Cyclone in Iowa State, set records for them, set an NCAA record for assist-to-turnover ratio, well, no shit, he's a good pro, right? I mean, who couldn't have seen that coming, that he's a great backup? And so I do, I would like to see a shift of maybe some teams like, all right, the MPJs are off the boards, Um why not look? Why not try to find those elite role players? And sometimes that even is like getting a Draymond in the second round, which is massive. So um, sometimes there's so much obsession with that star power that teams take those swings and they miss. I agree. I think with MPJ, there are so many people talked about him being so young, him needing to mature. And you see a lot of that with these younger guys. But if you get a guy who is 21, 22, has gone through college ball and, and taken that time to mature, then he's a he's a guy that will play a role on the team. Yeah. It's not necessarily a starting guy, but Monte brings a lot to the table. And that was his first year as a pro, right? He had the G League sort of intermediate year. And then he's a pro. It took 48 hours for Monte to make it known that he was going to help this team win games. So it, you're, you're balancing this against, like, when you're a GM, okay, you want to do this proper team-building thing. But when it's five-on-five, five, if you get that one guy, that matters most. So I, it's difficult, um, but I do think some teams kind of miss out in the middle rounds for that reason. Rudo, let's move on it's to the you. old Zach Veen over a reliable college pitcher. Mm. Exactly. You know, it's the exactly. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Rudo, how would you describe the NHL draft? It, not, don't go too long. I know there's a lot of layers. To it. <laughs> uh, I would make a case that the NHL draft is the most unique of mm. the four. First of all, it is the only one whose main source of prospect is not United States academia. Yeah. True. Uh, as the majority of their players do come out of major junior leagues and uh, other Canadian leagues. Uh, so... And they, they can draft European players on, like, baseball and their weird international stuff that goes on. But Got a whole other draft for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Kind of. yeah, How many drafts do I get to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> rule 5? Uh, oh. <laughs> we did an explainer of Rule 5, didn't we? We did, yeah. So, right, go check that out. so there's that, but they do have a lottery as well which in my opinion mm -hmm. has gone a little bit too far now that they're lottering away the top three kind of like the nba does uh but nonetheless they're not a league that 
unless you're picking in that lottery, you're not likely getting a player that affects your team immediately. Yeah. So you have to draft for the future. And I really like their setup for doing that because they have a rights draft. It's not like baseball where you draft a guy and you have to immediately sign them or they can cycle back in. If yeah. you draft a player who's going to college, you hold their rights until they graduate from college and right. then you can sign them once they're done. So I think that is extremely well thought out and a good way to have a draft in that you're not forcing a player to commit to something over something else. Uh, beyond that, the NHL draft is always going to be a weird one because they drafted 18 like baseball. Yeah. Um, but it's a little bit faster paced than baseball with baseball. You know, we're talking about Zach being in like <laughs> five <everything>? years, <laughs> right? Yeah. Whereas in the NHL, it's usually more like two or three years before you're starting to see these guys. So Rudo, how rare is the, the kale McCarr thing? Like that kind of an impact right away. Is that, um, does it, is that in the top five of the draft usually, or is he a, a exceptional case? He's exceptional. Uh, he's very, very special. You will get NHLers out of the top five that can be NHLers right away, but we're talking about Kale McCarr as he's played 50 NHL games, and we're saying this is a surefire Hall of Famer if he stays healthy. Yeah. And so uh, that's when we talk about generational talents, it's a word that they throw around in the NHL draft all the time. It's way overused. Sure. Kale McCarr is one for real. And that's that is the entire point of the NHL draft. That is why we've seen teams like Edmonton and Buffalo tank for years to get that guy. Right. The, the whole draft is hyped around these type of players, and obviously not nearly as big here in the U.S. But in Canada, people know these kids' names from like 13 years old sometimes. So that's where it gets interesting. I think is at the top five top ten you get really special stuff mm -hmm. and if you're an insane person like me you know names up until like the third or fourth round and then the, the other rounds you're just taking <laughs> the like let's be honest the nhl is interesting though in my opinion because the fa i mean the abs fan base knows a lot about just some of the guys that the abs have drafted well maybe with baseball some of the names kind of like right. fly away but you got you have a guy like alex newhook bowen byram like people were so excited to me like some of those drafts felt like like the nfl where people were so hyped like screaming like yes we got bowen bowen and like all this stuff but then it takes time for them to come and play and so i feel like do you think that hype kind of dies down because of those years to play um, it can go either way. I think, it, again, it's a good medium. With baseball, you don't hear about the guys because yeah. you draft Zach Veen and he goes and plays rookie A. And then next year he's playing single A or double A. Or, and he's just so far away from the organization. With Byram, you're like, all right, realistically in one year he's going to be on the team. So it, it's something to follow. And it can go either way. A lot of the season, people were not as hyped on Byram because he wasn't scoring at the ridiculous rate that he did last year. We also didn't see him play very much during the preseason. Correct. They did not play him a ton during the preseason. Uh, they tried to give him an opportunity to make the team. He needed another year. It is what it is. Uh, but just that proximity 
is where you'll see the hype drastically swing with NHL players because everyone's only one, two years away from being pro, especially yeah. now with the Abs having their AAA team, the Colorado Eagles and the AHL just up the road. So everyone mm -hmm. can go see those guys. When someone like Eustace Annan and European goaltender who nobody knew anything about set the record in his league for most shutout minutes in a row, all of a sudden there's a ton of hype on that guy yeah. coming over. Uh, and the other side of this is the rates in the draft. Because they don't have to sign anyone right away, when they do go out and sign someone like an Annan, it's that little blip of hype, right? It's like, oh, they signed him. That means he's coming soon. Now yeah. we need to go look into this guy. Right, right. I think the the Kale McCarr, um, we had someone in the comments say Kale also took the long route of two years after the draft before playing in the NHL. Longer route for a top five pick. I mean, Kale's journey and the way that he came in, just like after almost almost winning a championship um, in college to then that same week scoring his first NHL goal in a playoff game, like that hype made him who he is I like mean, everyone was like i like that guy i seconds. want his jersey yeah. he's it if, <laughs> if we're taking the hype train off the rails here every single league kale mccarr has ever played in in his career his second year has been significantly better than his hmm. first are you kidding me so you know point per game kale mccarr might be just around the corner that's all i'm saying <laughs> He's wow. a generational. He's one of those dudes. You see, yeah. you, he moves differently Just than the other yeah. people. Yeah. Absolutely a special player, no doubt about it. Do you have any con? Or did you you talked a bit on some of the cons, but anything that you would change or take from the other drafts, the other three drafts? Uh, so the biggest problem, and I understand that I'm getting a little bit into the minutia here. <laughs> um, what I love about the MLB draft is you can take a kid right out of high school and put him in pro ball. Hmm. Uh, with the major junior Canadian league, if you draft a player out of there, he either has to play NHL or he has to play juniors. He cannot play in a minor league in North America. And it's a pretty rare case. There's usually only a couple of guys that applies to every year, but you're stunting their development. They could develop yeah. a lot faster if you let them turn pro. Well, I mean, people would argue that. I yeah. mean, that with call it for football as well. Just some guys just going straight um, after a year or two of college to the NFL and not risk injury. We saw that with LaVisca Chenault. He yeah. could have been drafted as a sophomore, and then he got hurt, and there was so many injuries and so much came into play that he fell in the draft pretty late um, because of – if you, I think he would have been drafted way earlier if he would have gone in that sophomore um, year. Worth noting, I don't know how many structural changes there will be, but this whole process for the NBA could change a lot. We know there's this G League select team now that's being put mm. together featuring some top high school recruits that opted for that route instead of college. I'm honestly just thinking about this now. I don't know, would they declare for the draft after G League time? I, I have to like go back and I research hope they this. Do. Yeah. I think it, something like a G League select team, I think, is a fantastic idea. Um, so, yeah. but that could change. You know, that yeah. could change the way the NBA is, is doing this going forward as well. So, well, and they could do away with the one and done. That could make kind of the mm. the G League select team null. And that was a weird time when we had high schoolers being drafted straight to the NBA. Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, like, for sure. It really only worked for a couple, huh? Yeah, picking the right guys with was odd and you had guys like kobe dropping to 13 or kevin garnett dropping out of the top five and some, some guys you know. need college 
some guys yeah. need college. It, I mean, it really yeah, helps with sure. that maturity that we were talking about earlier. It helps them learn just a different system than just going straight from high school. Well, if you're the best basketball player at a young age in your class, on your team, on your AAU team, there's a very high chance you're not building winning habits or learning basketball. Yeah. Your coach is asking you to put the ball through Lead the net. The team. Yeah. And you're very good at that. But then you get right. to college and, okay, now these other guys are as athletic as you. Now you're learning defensive schemes. Now you're learning um, what the right read is on offense as opposed to just what the sick move is. And, and so th- a lot of players need that intermediate. I mean, we even saw that in the last dance with Michael Jordan, just talking about how that first year he was like, oh, okay, I really got to work. And then after that first year, he really shined and and became who he is. And that Um, was a guy who was ready for it, right? That was a guy who didn't even really need to go to college. So most people are very far cry from Michael Jordan. And and so, yeah. But then balancing that against, like, when you have a one-and-done thing, like, how silly would it have been to make LeBron go to school? Like, why did LeBron need to go to college? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Drew, let's move on to you. Let's have you describe the MLB draft in terms that most people will understand. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, Well, typically, the MLB draft lasts 40 rounds, and (laughs) roughly 12,000 players are selected. Uh, Half of them will, more than half of them will never sign with the teams that select them. It is not uncommon for players to be drafted two or three times. Uh, Charlie Blackman was drafted a couple of times, originally as a pitcher. Um, Wow, I didn't know that at all. (laughs) It's all, it is is crazy. It is absolutely insane uh, the way that it works. There are so many little rules that govern why some teams might not take a player who's really the best on the board and might reach way back. It's a, it's a whole thing about saving money and paying guys slot value. It is ridiculous. Like almost everything else in baseball, it is unnecessarily meticulous <laughs> and complex and rewarding to those who devote just an absurd amount of time to trying to understand it. Uh, like Vote was saying earlier with the NBA, there is a very sharp split between people mostly pay attention to Major League Baseball and even those who pay attention to professional prospects. And then there's a whole different group of people who do the amateur scouting and watch high school and college baseball. Uh, and it's there are so many moving pieces to it that it's it's difficult to sum up for anyone who's never seen or or gone through an MLB draft before or followed a player's trajectory through the minors. And as we were kind of talking about earlier, you could be anywhere from John Gray, who went to three years of Oklahoma and basically sprinted through the minors from from a Rockies perspective at a little under two years uh, to make his major league debut. Or Trevor Story, who was taken out of high school and took six years and had to like repeat high a baseball uh after a terrible season in the minors this guy ends up being now you know an mvp caliber player it's yeah it's very difficult to to parse but it's a lot of fun to try to do so do people drew know like people knew mpj was who he was when he was like 14 15 
Mm-hmm. I think we we've heard the Bryce Harper stories. Is that the case with baseball mm. too, though? Like, is the top of the class easily identifiable early on? Typically not. You know, a, a couple of guys will stand out, but the Bryce Harper, the Nat, the Natinals back when they were the Natinals because they were such an embarrassing franchise, they actually spelled the name of their team wrong on jerseys they played in. Can you imagine <laughs> taking the field Natinals? Oh, uh, God. And they were so bad that they got two first-round, 1-1 one, one picks two years in a row and got two generational talents in Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg. Yep. Uh, and then didn't win a World and Series until they And let me just say, that fan base didn't even enjoy it. Like, I grew up... I grew up in Philly and lived in D.C. for a very long time, and my friends knew nothing uh, about the Nationals or about Bryce Harper or Strasburg, and it's just like, come on. Yeah, yeah, I watched uh, Bryce Harper hit baseballs with a metal bat in Grand Junction at Juco. Like, I probably saw him hit a ball over 500 feet. They didn't really measure (laughs) it. They should never have given that. (laughs) Landed on the highway. (laughs) Legitimately dangerous. But then you've got the flip side of it where, you know, I I had sort of mentioned the the 2013 draft before with John Gray going at number three overall. Just in front of him at number two overall, Chicago Cubs took Chris Bryant, great player. Hard to argue with that. Everybody knew Chris Bryant. Bryant was one of those guys, but the guy in front of him was the consensus 1-1 pick in the country. Mark Appel, a starting pitcher who retired before he ever made it to the majors for the Houston Astros, who were considered to be one of the smartest or just maybe one of the cheese. They didn't get a pitch in this year's draft. I can't remember why. Oh, Yeah, that that weirds me out because the MLB draft pitchers are like the anti-goalie. When it comes to the draft, because everyone takes them, they take them off, then they take them early. And it's still, you just have no idea with some of these guys. Almost like what, like 60, 70% of them go through Tommy John's at some point. RIP Alex. But now now there's a preventative Tommy John surgery, right? Yeah, well, one of the things, it's crazy now. I'm looking over these reports, and it's actually a good sign if you see a guy has already had TJ. They say just get it out of the way early now, right? Yeah, it's so crazy thinking back to baseball a few years ago. It's it's just dragging your arm around the last 30 years of your life. The thing Um, I love, though, about the the baseball draft is – I guarantee everyone on this pod, well, maybe not Andre because he didn't grow up in the U.S., but the rest of us, I guarantee you, went to school with an MLB drafted player. They might not even know it. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but as, right. we, as we talk about that, Drew, a lot of people might not understand um, the impact that only having five rounds of the draft mm. this year yeah. is going to have on the rest of baseball. Right. So it's it's and not even just on the rest of baseball on teams like the Rockies in particular. There are so many ways in which the economics of baseball are set up for the rich to get richer. uh, And the draft is absolutely one of those. And it's super frustrating. And yeah, this is just another way like having fewer. So, for example, Colorado Rockies, Sam Hilliard taken in the 15th round of the draft, Scott Oberg their best reliever, taken in the 15th round of the draft. Dom Nunez, their likely catcher of of the future, 
uh, in the, the very near future, not Drew Romo of the, of the future future, <laughs> taken in the sixth round of the draft, which no longer exists. Even things like now, while there would still be enough time, taking a look at, you're talking about a draft where Nolan Arenado was selected 56th overall. Everyone in baseball had their chance, and most teams in baseball had two chances Crazy. to select this guy. And he was still on the board, and now he's one of the best who's ever played his position, arguably the best. And and it's just weird that you're not going to find that with the 56th pick in any other draft, probably. The, the most famous examples are guys like Mike Piazza and Albert Pujols, who were taken... Piazza's one is insane. <laughs> Mike Piazza was taken, I think, in the 30-something at the tell you, round. As a, as a Cardinals fan... In spring training, you started hearing the Pujols noise, but when Pujols was drafted, it wasn't a, it wasn't a circle your your notebook moment or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, you know? it, and it and it's just amazing that that can happen, and it it does disproportionately impact the low market teams for. And I'm I'm gonna jump the gun and start to answer the question, but that you're gonna ask me about what to change, but because one of the oh, things okay. is you you can't <laughs> trade draft picks. And yeah. and there's all the stuff that I was talking about earlier with the, the slot money. So a team like the Rockies can't load up on draft picks for extra opportunities to pick up these guys who are going to be a little bit cheaper. Maybe take a look because they may be not able to sign them or because literally you can't trade for them or all of these other reasons. And, and there's this slot money. So like the Dodgers who, who pick at 29 because they were in the World Series last year, like... Uh, well, they weren't in the World Series last year, the year before, but they've got this the 29th pick. Like, okay, great, but the the guy you're going to get at 29 isn't that much worse than the guy you're going to get at 18. In fact, there's a really good chance he'll be Mike better. Trout so, went 25th. Mike Trout went 25th in the draft, and so you know, giving the the teams that have performed better just lower round picks, I don't think is as good enough of a disincentive. If you can't yeah. trade, if you can't move around, if you can't move your slot money around, these lower market teams just get messed up, especially now because, you know, the five rounds was special for, for COVID situation a little bit, but it's also the owners putting their foot down and, and trying, they're going to try to make the draft as few rounds as possible, and they're going to try to make the minor leagues as few teams as possible, all to save money despite the fact that they are in the middle of their second decade of record profits yeah. year over year over year. Yeah, no one's losing money. Oh. Cry, me, cry me a river. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, this conversation has been so well, I haven't wanted to stop for um, an ad break, and we've gone 45 minutes. So Let's sell some stuff. Before we keep going... Golf is back, and we have a full weekend of golf ahead of us. And even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, of course, the big cash winnings don't have to be. And to add to that excitement, DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Dre, give us one bet you're taking this weekend on golf. Just one. Well, the best prop of all early on was the two eagles rory mcelroy and brooks kepka just need to get an eagle each and you're winning it was like plus two you're winning both yeah. if you were able to get in on that though you also have a guy who i'm really I liking one, so okay. far <laughs> is doing just incredibly well like, I got, I got it's you harold varner go on harold varner here yeah 
Okay. Take the money line on Harold. Oh, Bonner. and That's boosted odds on the Colorado Avalanche to win the NHL title. Well, I Anyways, well, I guess vote, you're fine. But I wanted to ask for one because I wanted to tease. If you want to listen to more of Dre's picks, you got to go listen to DNVR Bets Daily oh, where he'll now. give you the exclusive with RK's picks. Andre and RK break it all down for you so they tell you exactly what you should bet on. And they've been they've done pretty well as the producer of the show. Their records are pretty yeah, solid. They've done well. They're pretty well. I don't know. I haven't seen him bust out the sunglasses too much recently. Yesterday. We were rocking shades yesterday. Right. And I'll have you. Right. I just remind you all that I'm above 500 betting on stuff like UFC, KBO, Faroe Island soccer, and Bundesliga. So I'd like to see you guys. I think I'm doing quite well. Thank you very much. Tune in every, every day. I, I, I just want to know. I have to take the boosted odds on the Habs to win, right? Yes. I know it, of oh, course. yeah. At 1,500. They. Their odds used to be about a thousand when things started. They're down to seven hundred without the odds, odds boost now. Mm. So, so it's you're, you're doubling you your money in the end on top three sad. in the league to win. You gotta do it. Yeah, dude, right, you gotta do it. That's a no brainer. No. The real okay. trick should no. be you sign up, get a sign up bonus, then put that sign up bonus towards the app. Abs using that. He's freezing because the the internet gods are the math no. magician over here. All right, as that he keeps that name whenever he Internet goes on magician. any show. Um, download the as as Andre was already mentioning. Be sure to download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to a thousand dollars. DraftKings sportsbook is going all out with the sign-up bonus up to a thousand dollars. Just enter the code DNVR when you sign up only at DraftKings. Sportsbook, of course, must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Be sure to call 1-800-522-4700. All right. We buried the lead because the main point of this podcast was to ask you guys the question of which draft do you guys think is the most difficult overall? We are 50 minutes in. So that that really shows all of the people listening and watching that these drafts have difficult. a lot to them. So difficult, like if I'm the GM, like is it's difficult to succeed? I, I, don't I would know. say so, yeah. Yeah, difficult overall is the question that was asked. I think this is a hard question because I think you could go in two different directions. Mm. I feel like I think football could be the hardest because like maybe that's a bias uh but i think football can be the hardest because if you don't hit on a first overall uh, on a first round pick then that's really bad i mean look at my eagles the franchise freaks out uh, or the fans freak out <laughs> well your fans freak out when santa claus right. shows up well so. what, how are the giants doing though boo <laughs> santa yeah i don't have anyone, anyone. anyway <laughs> you like everyone think of, calm down <laughs> Oh, the dad. <laughs> it's Professor Dre, but he's also Dad's Dad Dre. Yeah. Papa Dre. Uh, Papa Dre. I like that better. Um, no, but like, look at Paxton Lynch. Like, if you make moves, if John always makes moves to get a guy like Paxton Lynch and he doesn't work out like he did, then the fran- the fans are upset. Like, they are not happy. So I feel like that's why I think football could be the hardest. But I also think baseball and hockey – you're really gambling on like an 18 year old or a 17 year old 
or even sometimes younger, um, you're gambling on how they're going to be in, in five years, like how they're going to play. And so I don't know. I'm stuck. I think you could go in those two directions and I really, I really don't know. Rudo, you're about to talk. Yeah. Between football and baseball football, just because you have to have immediate impacts from honestly for it to be a good draft from multiple players in every draft, you need to have immediate impact from it's true. Look at the 2017 Broncos. Like people were freaking out and none of the, like one of those guys is still on the team. And John, they people. Oh, I just threw my court. That's how passionate I'm getting. People wanted John Elway to like be fired at that so point. From evaluating a talent perspective, baseball, I have no idea how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. But I am curious, Drew, to what extent reputations are staked in and on the line. In basketball, you lose your job if you blow this. Right. And I don't know. So I'm just asking. I don't know. No, that's the right question. Yeah, because it because it's not like uh, you know the, no one's no GM is ever going to be fired the the day after a draft or the year after a draft. Yeah, because of the draft. Right, um, right. Those guys have like, how do you even know? Um, like five years before you're even really exactly. Held to but them. that's hard in right. itself to draft a guy that you have no clue if well, they're going to turn out or not. Yeah, yeah. I, with baseball, I just think, what if you? go 40 rounds and don't get a single MLB player in 40 rounds. Right. Right. Well, and there is a, like, it it does, it it can get combined too when, like, um, Dan O'Dowd definitely got in real hot water for his drafts um, after a few years when they were looking back at, like, Greg Reynolds and Casey Weathers getting taken in front of guys like Evan Longoria and Tim Lincecum and stuff. And yeah. and then when the Rockies weren't doing well and it was supposed to be, well, they had drafted all these guys and the guys they drafted just totally flopped. And, and so, yeah, when and, and particularly for teams like the Rockies, it's more important because they've built their reputation on draft and develop. And, and mm-hmm. they have to build that way. But it's still, it's just... There is a built-in excuse that people like me are always going to go out there and say, look, if their second-round pick doesn't work out, that's not that uncommon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, right. you just talked about the the first overall pick uh, retiring before even going to the majors. Right. right. And, and you obviously, you can't have too many of those. And at some point, people will start to notice, like, man, this GM has blown mm-hmm. a lot of drafts. Um, or there's just no talent coming through the pipeline uh it's definitely something people will know but usually when you're not when you're when you're evaluating uh, a major league baseball gm it's you know free agent signings trades um did he get into a massive offseason fight with his superstar player all of that stuff comes before uh how how well did he do in the draft you can spend your whole career being the guy that took Aiton instead of luca and by the way Aiton's a great player right yeah this is still gonna hang over like a cloud AJ's yeah. mad at me in yeah, the chat AJ's for, real mad. for not AJ, defending the NHL draft. So AJ I'll, I'll... took it the obvi- uh, opposite of me. He said MLB is the hardest. NFL is the easiest. I guess what not I opposite say, of me. I, I said MLB is. is kind of. So what makes the NFL the easiest? 90 plus percent of the prospects are all coming from college in North mm-hmm. America, right? With hockey, I think probably hockey the most. You get this in baseball to some extent and in basketball mm-hmm. as well. But hockey is completely global, right? You need scouts everywhere in the yeah. U.S., everywhere in Canada, northern Europe, central Europe. You have scouts watching Russian yeah. teenagers playing junior hockey in 
trash cans out in Siberia, okay? Right. That part of it is incredibly difficult, for sure. Yeah. With basketball, I'm sure it's the same way, watching leagues in China and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So, from that so, side just, of things. Remember what? Remember a thing that happened last night? Of course you do, because you guys were directing and producing <laughs> the show. The Colorado Rockies selected a kid out of Douglas County <clears throat> yeah. High School. Yeah, you didn't know who yeah. he was. I was. I literally, I literally told never, you, Drew. He's from Colorado. Nothing. Allie's trying to tell he's me. Rudo's trying Colorado. to tell me. I'm trying to look it up. So I've got three different avenues of trying to find out who this person is. And I'm. And it, he wasn't on Baseball America's top 500. And he was mm-hmm. taken with the like 109th pick or whatever it was, and 110th. And it's just like. Well, and then I've got all these people. Of course, now everybody in Colorado who listens to the DMBR Rockies podcast has played against this guy and knows him, yeah. their, their brother or their son. Or they're like, dude, he brings it, and they're sending me stuff. He's hitting 96. All the area scouts, nobody else was out there. <laughs> Only Colorado was checking on this kid. They found a diamond in the rough. And I'm like, maybe none of us know anything. I don't know. But that's yeah. like, to Rudo's point, I think for the NHL and Major League Baseball, it's like, you got you got one guy at the field to see him do his thing that day or, or, or out at the ice on the right day in some small corner of the world somewhere. And he comes back and says, this is my dude. This is my dude. So I think it's interesting because we, we just talked NFL and NBA. If, if your GM doesn't draft the guy, then it's really big consequences for them or it's just not good. Well, uh, uh, Oh my God, I'm blanking NHL MLB. They um, are more of those, like going in depth, going to different states, really trying to find that guy and seeing if it picks. So that's why I think this question is it's split because it can go either way. I think the MLB NHL draft having that is really hard, but then if you're a GM and you just got the wrong guy and you're gone the next day, like, or the next year, that's your legacy, not drafting whoever. And that's part of the reason I knocked the NHL down a little bit. The abs haven't developed a player past the first round in a decade. And, they're a championship contender right now right. because they right. had a couple of good picks at the top of the first. So the NBA, you know man, I hate to I hate That's to like true. reduce. There's so much that goes into evaluating, and and everyone has their own approaches, and and these are in, these are individual decisions, right? Um, that that pobos or GMs are making, but it's kind of a crapshoot, and and <laughs> and it's so funny because then it defines the way we talk about. Them. I mean, Danny Ainge yeah. widely considered a capable wily smart gm in boston um he could have taken Giannis, as could have 12 other teams i want to say it was the 13th pick and he took kelly olenic right mm-hmm. so does danny Ainge not know what he's doing or is this thing really hard the yeah. best thing tim Connolly ever did for himself was take nikola Jokic. you asked him off the record on the record he'll tell you both times and i was lucky I yeah i thought he was good but i didn't know he was this good so yeah. it there is the basketball stuff is it's just how consequential it is yeah um, but I also like. I think all these guys are taking shots in the dark. To be honest, you want to throw the one fact at you that'll Please. blow your mind on the other side of that, though. With as much of a crapshoot as it is, the exact same California area scout for the Colorado Rockies scouted Nolan Arenado, Ryan McMahon, Peter Lambert, Garrett Hampson, and Dom Nunez. Wow, the same dude. Mm. Did he That's also crazy. scout Tyler Matzik? Like picking that dude's picks earlier. Trey? I, <laughs> I just, was any a California talent? I think he probably did, actually. I, I would suspect that he did. Uh, Tyler Matzik could have been great. Okay. Well, you you got know. mad at me for bringing that name up last All time. Right. 
know. That was retaliatory. I'm Wait, sorry. This, this podcast is just really stacked. <laughs> AJ just said the show is bad for my blood pressure. AJ! AJ, name three <laughs> things that aren't bad for your blood everyone. pressure. <laughs> You're literally always coming in feisty Friday. That's AJ's game. He comes in hot, wanting to fight us. If I told him to hop on, I bet you he would. <laughs> we could do a second hour. We'll right throw now. down again. Know, right? If you want to throw down. No, yeah. no. We have a great show. We've already been stacked with a lot of great content. But we also have an interview with Curtis Blades that I got to get to. But first, Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for any long-term projects you have. They're your people. They've been around since 1972 and are the best at what they do. They remain <coughs> open during this crazy time and help supply products to other essential businesses. So be sure to call them today for any, and I mean any of your needs. Call them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Okay. <laughs> Transitioning a bit, like I said, oh, there's a puppy. This is for AJ. I <laughs> wanted AJ to, to be able to relax a little bit. So. Also, the dog was sick of being outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could tell. You were like, okay, okay, I'll bring him in. Anyways transitioning andre and i had a chance to sit down with our guy curtis blades this morning who is getting ready for a big fight next week if you don't follow the ufc curtis blade is actually the number three ranked heavyweight fighter in the world it's true pretty dope and we get this to sit down too. and talk to him this, this one, one. Yeah. <laughs> so Both we're one. gonna play a bit of his interview right now bruto cue it we good good Okay. How's it going, Blades? Thanks for coming on our The Denver Sports Podcast. No problem, man. I'm doing doing good. How are you guys? Good. We're excited to learn more about uh, your fight. Yeah, Curtis, you've got this fight coming up. We talked about it last time uh, you were you were on with us on the bets where you nailed a bunch of picks, by the way. You really um, did. All of our guys were like, we are only listening yes. to Blake's picks from now on. That's right. Very So very excited to have you back on. But now finally we get to talk about a fight that you're in. Big fight, main card for the UFC fight night coming up on June 20th. That'll be in Las Vegas. And you're going against, you know, seasoned vet Alexander Volkov. You're obviously the higher ranked guy. I was looking at the odds on DraftKings. You're coming in as a pretty heavy favorite. Uh, how have you been preparing for that, man? Um, it's been a pretty uh, traditional camp. I've been mm -hmm. doing my strength and conditioning, doing my pad work, doing my sparring rounds, my jujitsu workouts, my wrestling workouts. So everything's pretty much been normal for me. I know the, the rest of the world's been a little bit out of whack, but yeah. my schedule's been pretty much the same. Mm, so nothing has been different, even though um, you guys have to think of COVID now in the back of your mind. Honestly, I don't even. Think about the corona. Um, cause I've I've read the stats. I've I think honestly I think I had it back in January before my junior fight. I lost about fifteen pounds like wow. two weeks out. I I couldn't sleep. I was hacking. I was sweating a lot. Couldn't eat. Puking. Then it goes away, and I still won the fight. So, and I had abs. I'm not that mad about it. <laughs> yeah, you won that fight in convincing style too. You showed some of your. <laughs> added a, a little more to your game here what can we expect in this volkov fight i mean and i don't 
you don't want to give away your game plan. Not that Volkov's no, necessarily. My game plan is always the same, universal. I want to pressure you. I want to wrestle you. I'm going to elbow you. It's always the same. Beautiful. Yeah, he's going to struggle with that ground and pound. I see his only game plan as trying to keep you at bay with those kicks. But the problem here, Blades, is if I'm really good at kicking, but I'm going against someone like you, I'm terrified that you're going to catch my leg and take me to the ground. So how does he navigate that, man? Like, And how do you take advantage of that? Um, exactly how the junior fight was. I knew he was scared to put anything out there because when you put any, any heavy strikes out there, you have to anchor down your back hip. When you anchor down that, that back leg, it makes you a stationary target. If you miss or if you hit me, but it doesn't put me, it doesn't scare me away, I'm going to get to your hips. And no one wants to be underneath me. So he's not going to be as aggressive as he normally might be. He's going to be going backwards. I'm going to be able to pressure him. And when you're getting pressured, you make bad decisions. You, you get a little antsy. You start t- tossing out things you wouldn't you wouldn't usually toss out. You're not used to being on your back with the whole fight. He's going to be going backwards this whole fight. Mm. Yeah, I, I can just see it already. Um, he is the bigger fighter. I was interested. What do you usually enter fight week at? And how much do you set yourself up to cut? I don't have to cut. Right now, I weigh 259. Uh, I normally enter Monday at 259, 58. Mm-hmm. around there. And then just, I don't eat that much uh, throughout the week just because I do have nerves. Nerves happen regardless. Yeah. It happens every fight week. So my hunger kind of goes away. And uh, mm-hmm. I just don't eat as much. I, I lose a little bit of weight. I'll probably be on the scale at probably 255. Uh-huh. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I mean, it's basically you're you're not even cutting anything. That's such a huge advantage. I feel bad for heavyweights that have to, to cut weight. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, Blades, so this podcast here, we talk about all Denver sports and kind of break down maybe the um, hockey fan doesn't know much about football, so we kind of break it down in those. Could you kind of explain what your week is like next week right before the fight for those who may not be watching MMA as much? Well, usually my my week is I get there on a Tuesday, we sign it on and we check in. I get my bag of gear. Um, my coaches usually get there the next day. So Tuesday, pretty much hang out, do whatever I want to do. Wednesday, my coaches get there. I do a couple of interviews uh, over the phone or Skype. We get a workout in, then we relax. Thursday, same thing. I do my media obligations, and then I relax. And then Friday, we get on the scale. We make weight. We eat. We work out, and then we we pretty much the whole week is just mental prep. So there's, mm. there's not a whole lot you can do in five days if you haven't already added it. Right. Like, I'm not gonna add a new move that I don't I don't already have in a week. So it's pretty much all mental. Like my coach likes to to say the haze in the barn already. Yeah, I like that, and then. Probably pretty similar here with the COVID. Have they tested you prior? Do they just test you once you get to Vegas? How does that process 
been working? I I have had a couple of teammates who have already had fights during the, the pandemic, and they told me um, when you get there, they're going to test you once. They're going to do the what they put the thing down your throat. Mm. You do that. Oh, yeah. You pass, you pass that. You get a red wristband, which means you're good. And then the rest of the week, they check your temperature every morning. And then I think, again, at nighttime, and if you're good, you you keep your wristband. And that's pretty much all I know. And I know they they really don't want us to be at, like out exploring or out right. like um, interacting with other people. So I'll probably be uh, in the in the hotel wherever that is. I don't I don't even have my hotel info yet. But wherever the hotel is, that's probably where I'll just spend most of my my time at. Right. Well, it's all of the guys that you've been training with at Elevation have been dominating lately. What do you think it is about training there that has given you all such um, an advantage? I think it's the Elevation. Mm. I've always said that. That's why I moved here. I'm originally I'm from uh, Chicago. I lost my debut fight. I knew I had to ch change up things. And I, I was blessed. I was able to come here and make a great connection with the coaches down at team elevation and i think that's the biggest aspect is my condition if you can push the pace for the duration of the fight and you can keep at an eight for the first round the second round third round and if you have a five round fight the fourth and the fifth round a lot of guys come out at a 10 and they drop to a seven and they drop to a five and then they keep, they just keep dropping. That makes sense. I think that's why a lot of athletes come out to Colorado, especially runners to just kind of practice yeah. and, and get used to the elevation. Yeah. yeah, huge factor there. And I mean, it's just been showing the, the all the Colorado guys have just been dominating, um, especially in these recent cards. Ali, should we move on to the upcoming fights this weekend? And yes, people are so excited to hear your picks for this weekend. I'll okay. see you. Gotta gotta add everyone back in. <laughs> so you can listen to so we cut that interview short because you can listen to the rest of it um, on DNVR bets daily. Dre went into more details with him about some props for this weekend and everything like that. So definitely go listen to that later on at 5 p.m. today. But what'd you guys think? Yes. Nope. No answers. Good. No. Are, are we all still <laughs> here? You know how <laughs> the teacher put on the movie and checked out. Oh, hi. You know how we all wear uh, Eric's gear and like it looks great because he's a great designer, but then you see it on someone like Curtis Blades and you're like, is that not what's supposed to look like? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Like, I'm, is there some, like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's interesting also, he a bad man. how long it takes every sport to kind of figure out, oh, maybe we should train at elevation when like Colorado mm -hmm. has had the Olympic training yeah, center for forever sure. and it's like, that might be a clue. <laughs> Right, it definitely yeah. makes sense. I mean, he lost his first fight and was like, "I gotta go out there." I I, I'm go always curious about the what a fighter's life is like before in between fights, you know, yeah. especially that week leading in. But I'm also like, 
how how much of your day is training? What what is that balance of of finding a little corner of like mental health and just living each day, yeah. right? It's just like I don't know, man. That 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 such a, a moment, a few hours that could really help to define your career, and you have to sort of think about plan for that weeks, even months, you know, out at a time. It's just such a strange way to operate. Yeah, when he was talking about the way his week looks like before a fight, I I mean, it makes sense, but. I was like, I thought it would be more being in the gym and kind of getting ready and warmed up based on all the sports we deal with. Like, that's that's what you're doing. You've got batting practice. You've got shoot around beforehand for both basketball and uh, hockey. But for him, that week leading up is all mental and getting ready right before the uh, the the day before. And then he gets into the gym. It's pretty makes sense. But I wasn't expecting to hear that. He basically said he doesn't cut any weight, right? Yeah. So he, he's not one of those guys that's walking yeah. around 20 to 30 pounds over fight weight that, right. you know, the week before is just a right. total Grind. grueling battle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he said he was felt very fortunate to not have to be cutting weight. I mean, prepping, yeah. prepping like that, that to the altitude, what an advantage, you know? Yeah. Comes into fight week, doesn't have to cut weight and he's got the you know that nice lung capacity coming at altitude and he's the best grappler of the top five guys in that heavyweight division he's a bad dude you do not want to go against curtis blades right the altitude thing is so real like on in any even down to hour level like i went home and i busted my mile record by like more than 60 seconds and i was sick it was an accident you know oh i just been um this is a flex right there i just been running (laughs) at uh I was gonna say I could I can drink more when I go back to the East Coast, but you were you were talking still physical. No, it's true though. Even even a, a lowly athlete like me, like just running my mile, I took sixty seconds off having spent a year running at altitude and then coming back yeah. down. If you're like a legitimate athlete and you're really getting after it above sea level at altitude, how could it not how could it not provide an advantage? Um seven Allie years. was talking about high level athleticism with her drinking back home. I was gonna you know, say that that totally Well sounds. in Philly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is oh. that's where no, the champions from, are made, you know. <laughs> I came back from college and went home and yeah. everyone's like, wow. I mean, and I have friends who come visit me who come and drink a little bit here and after a beer are like, whoa, what is going on? Those mountains look really nice. I feel loopy. Um, I've no, been training I, at altitude my whole life. Yeah, I still use that excuse of uh, being out of shape from back home seven years later. I'm like, if I really, if I go on a run right now, I'm not used to the altitude. I don't think I'm going to. Dev, it's good. That always works. So true. (laughs) Usually I run a lot faster. Yeah, exactly. But all right, that's all we've got for you guys this week. It was a longer show, but it was a really good one filled with a lot of great content. I just got to give a quick shout out. Thank you to everyone who's left comments on last week's pod about the Premier League. I am watching it this weekend. Don't worry. And I will finally be making a decision. I did not realize uh, that this would be such a big topic. Um, I have people messaging or me- tweeting at me, asking me if I've chosen a team. Where are so, you leaning? Give us three teams. Uh, I have two teams. Oh, okay. West Ham and Manchester City. West Ham. Oh, I'm easy. I just don't want them to be uh whatever it's called relegated relegated 
I know, but listen, it's like you're from you're you're in this I Denver know. sports Every... scene now, right? Like you, it 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 means more when you really got to grind for. It. If you just hop on the city bandwagon, I, I know, I try, but I can't have one team that like is it's nice. <laughs> yeah, to that's win. actually you know. What? <laughs> I literally <laughs> you have deserve that. that. Right, just He's a Cardinals fan here. over here. Yeah. Yeah. Pick a team that's gonna whatever, dude. <laughs> literally, the Eagles just won their first championship ever. The Phillies like won one forever ago, t- uh, 2009. The Fires, the Sixers. Then you're a Buffs fan. Right, you can have some winning I'm a as Buffs a treat, fan. I know, but I do. I am. I I really am. I think I'm gonna go West Ham. But someone said if you watch them play, you're not gonna go West Ham. Um, <laughs> which I I played soccer my whole life. Like I said that on last pod. Like I do love beautiful soccer. Like I get the the mechanics um, of it. So that's gonna that's gonna play a role. I don't know. I really didn't realize it was gonna be this we, big of a. You topic. gotta set up. Do it on IG. You gotta have hats like a football recruit. And choose it. I, I'm gonna analysis. disappoint so many that's people. People who are listening to this, who including AJ. Did we? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Did he comment? No. I was gonna say he's really been pushing Chelsea. Is that where we're headed with this? What? The DNVR decision. Yeah, without hopefully <laughs> not. Exactly. That's a lot of pressure. I really am just. I'm gonna slowly pick a team, and maybe it's one hand, so it I out. like. Come on, let me wear an oversized off. sport coat and some brown pants, and I'll just sit there and ask you benign <laughs> yes. questions. And... Uh, all right. Well, the decision will happen next week. We will see. Thank you guys for all tuning in and listening to this podcast. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Don't forget to leave us your questions on the DNVR Lounge Discord or on this podcast post. What is that? Mario is saying goodbye, apparently. <laughs> you know, it's it's DNVR after dark, but just oh, the oh, weekend has started. Can I plug something? We're playing Warzone tonight. We're going to stream some Warzone. Um, if you want to watch, if you want to hop in, um, holler at us in the Discord. You can you can round out our quad if you'd like. I I'm thought we were going to the, the bar, bar and drinking. I think you both guys of are those doing things. That. Yeah, we're gonna watch them play Warzone from the bar. It's gonna be oh. great. And I'm gonna oh. play Warzone from the socially distant, acceptable space of my couch. Also, the DMVR bar is open all weekend from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Have a great weekend, everyone.